That moment when you realize you have a serious air conditioner issue. A real stripped down to your skivvies, no one sleeping tonight, head in the freezer, fail party. But fear not, there's an expert for that. Let your local experts at Parker Pierce Service Experts keep you cool with $50 off any repair. Want to chill? There's an expert for that. Call Parker Pierce Service Experts at 866-EXPERTS. See website for license details. Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass, and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Welcome everyone into Garden of Doom. And this week we're welcome in Lauren Jane Barnett, who is an American in London, not an American werewolf in London, but an American in London. Well, we haven't excluded the werewolf part yet. Uh, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't think we're going to do this show until the, the next full moon, so she's probably off the hook here. Anyway, she is a horror writer, a horror film fan, a podcast host, and an occasional horror walking guide living in London. She's been watching horror movies most of her life, and she was doing her PhD in London, and she was hunting around looking for one of those walking tours of the city, city's horror movies. Couldn't find one. So in the end, she ended up doing it herself. And great, make a market. There you go. Um, these, these walks and her rides through the underground turned into a book, Deathlines, Walking London's Horror History, 
along the way, she's written several horror stories. She's had her work uh, appearing or forthcoming in uh, publications such as BFS Horizons, Horrify Magazine, and the anthologies Tales of Fear, Superstition, and Doom, File 404, Bloody Good Horror, and Listen, all in caps, so you better listen. Her, uh, she has a podcast called the London Horror Movie Club, which I think she does with her brother. Uh, and she's also been in the cast, The Witches of Sands. And she has an IMDb page, which she says baffles her. And, and uh, I can imagine that would be pretty cool to see yourself in the IMDb page. Uh, anyway, uh, there's plenty more to talk about. She has a book. Of course, we're going to talk about that book. But, with, but why should I do all the talking when I have a guest here to speak for herself? So Lauren Jane Barnett. Thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to Garden of Dune. How are you this afternoon? Thank you. I'm doing really well. I actually recorded my um, London Horror Movie Club this morning as well. So I'm feeling very horror today. Lots of London Horror Movies. Excellent. That's very good. So, like, how far back are we going? Are we doing Lundin? Are we going Londinium? Or are we talking, like, you know, Jack the Ripper through present London? Um, so it's basically because it's film and cinema, it sort of is the stories that they tell. So go all the way back to the silence, things like London After Midnight and that. Um, but it's it's largely going to be stuff from uh, the 60s and 70s had a huge amount. And then there's a lot more recent things as well. So there's a lot of everything really that goes on. Um, and as well, um, recreations of London and horror. So you get the universal classics, you get Bela Lugosi. It's all of the fun. It's everything. Anything's fun. That actually, that makes perfect sense. Had I just listened to my own words, I, I probably could have figured it out myself. But listen, we we both know you've known me now a whole like six seven minutes, so you know that I just wanted to say Lundin and Londinium. So yeah, yeah. so it yeah, right, exactly. I mean, and and you'll have your opportunities to to slide them on in here. So tell folks a little bit about yourself. Like, I mean, you know, first of all, we just jumped in the PhD. So what, what is a Yank doing in, in Britain? What brought you there? What was your PhD in? Like, like, let's hear a little bit about you. Yeah. So I came for school. And so the PhD was a big part of that. I came with my master's and then my PhD and I was looking at the dead body in photography. Mm-hmm. So I, it was a lot of fun. I looked at art photography and also medical photography and forensic photography so I got to see a lot of dead bodies, more dead bodies than anyone needs to see. <laughs> um, and when I was doing my PhD, I, it, you spend quite a lot of time uh, waiting for other people to read your writing. It's a very boring thing doing your PhD. And so during that, I ended up doing quite a lot of walks because tourist American, even though I was a student, I wanted to see more of London, learn more about London. I went on some great ones that were like medical walks where you'd see like the old sewage system that had to be changed because of cholera, or you'd see things like old asylums and ruins, anything about London. I loved the city. And I like horror films, so I, I just, you know, as a break from my PhD looking at dead people, liked watching people die. Right. <laughs> and yeah, the two just sort of naturally fell into place. But yeah, that's what brought me to London as I, I was pursuing my PhD. Uh, basically, when I was doing my, my master's, um, I got to the end of my, my undergrad. And my art professor said, you should do a master's, but it's too late to apply anywhere in the U.S. because the GGD and the GRE and all the tests are done. So too bad. You can apply in Britain. And I was like, oh, good. I speak English. So I applied for one master's program in Britain and I applied to sell art on cruise ships. And I was like, whichever one I get, I'll do that. (laughs) Very nice. So what was your Ph.D.? Uh, so I was taking a look at artists in the 90s who were responding, particularly to the AIDS crisis, so people like Nan Golden and Andres Brown and 
those kind of people. And then um, Andre Serrano's work was a little bit less AIDS and a little more the dead in general. And how they used Victorian death photography in their techniques to try and show levels of care and attention to the dead who were otherwise forgotten. Very memorial. Now, if anybody's hearing anything ominous, we just got a rolling thunder. So hopefully we'll keep sig signal, but a thunderstorm I think might be appropriate for this. What hopefully will be a spooky show, either, you know, purposely or, you know, just because just of the content. And when you said you saw a lot of dead people, I assume indirectly. Uh, yeah, almost entirely indirectly. But uh, so one of the things that I wanted to do was um, learn medical and forensic photography so I could understand the techniques that were used and whether artists copied them. So I did have to, uh, I was sat in on an autopsy mm. <laughs> and I saw um, some forensic photography being done. Um, it, the, there was no body there, but it had been. So it was a little bit creepy. <laughs> that sounds a little bit creepy. Yeah. The lawyer in me wants to make sure that we put on the record that you didn't actually kill any of these people yourself, at least no. not, not on the record. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> right. Okay. But it, uh, it was, yeah, it was good fun. It's the kind of strange thing you never think you'd get permission to do. You go up to a medical school and go, "I'm doing a PhD in in photography of the dead, and I'd like to sit in on an autopsy. I have no medical background, and you're going to have to believe me that in six years' time this will be a paper." And they did. <laughs> well, good. I, you know, I I think that we are richer for it. So, all right. So, I don't know if I want to start exactly with the book in the order of like, like if you were to give us like an oral walking tour, I think I just want to quick fire a few questions. Like, so what is your favorite genre of horror? What is your favorite old horror movie? And what is your favorite like seventies horror movie? And what's like your favorite uh, current? And when I say favorite, you don't have to pick one. I'm not one of those people. You you can pick like two or three if you can't decide. Thank you. Cause yeah, it's, you know, if you love, if you love horror films, it's very hard to just pick. Right. Someone says, what's your favorite movie? You mean comedy? You mean action? You mean drama? I mean, what are you talking about? No, exactly. And so many people don't realize horror covers a lot of that ground too. You have horror comedies, you've got sort of the horror dramas, you've got all sorts of range of horror. I mean, you asked about my favorite genre and I think, I don't know whether this actually counts as a genre or not, but the B horror movie is the thing that I love the most. Does it ever? It, Good, good. Because, yeah, it, it covers all manner of sins, but at the same time, if you see a B-horror, you know it. I want the schlockiest, weirdest, you can see the guy with the sound in the background. But that's where the creativity is. I love the B-horrors because they go all out. They've got nothing to lose, and I love that. Right. When you see regular insects portrayed as gigantic, you know you're, you're, you're in the right place. So th them or they? <laughs> oh yeah exactly them love them yeah. so creepy and I, lo I love as well I, I sort of the, the B movies that weren't intended to be B movies do you know Life Force Toby Hooper did it after Poltergeist and it, it bombed he had a huge budget so it wasn't intended to be B but when you watch it the, the uh, soul sucking spirit vampires that are aliens <laughs> have the it's everything about it is so B movie you've got the the ridiculous concept you have Patrick Stewart talking about being stabbed just below the heart you've got crazy bombs going off London explodes you have really hideous puppet vampires but everything about it's like a really fun ride you had me a Patrick Stewart like before he's famous because I love watching actors that became like really famous and these shapes Shakespearean actors and like doing like these low budget movies like he had like a bit role in Excalibur and you go back and you're like that's Liam Neeson that's Patrick Stewart it's 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 terrific 
but okay so but i never really so you're like so your favorite movie you know from let's just say the golden age you know the the universals you know the wolfman the phantom of the operas happen in costello meet the frankenstein which is my favorite um which i think counts as a horror movie but from the golden age which one is like your sentimental favorite or favorites it might have to be the wolfman for that makeup i mean long chain makes us killing it so that's a really great one if i if it has to be a london one though equally werewolf of london is a really good one it's very sentimental and very sweet and it's got a bit of a like romantic comedy undertone because the man's desperately trying to reconnect with his wife as well that's very lovely oh let's let's fast forward then to well let's not skip like the 50s like like the, the 50s has so much juicy stuff so what do you got from the 50s and this is actually i love this your your favorite generally and your favorite sort of london based if they're different okay uh ooh, the, the 50s is is a tougher one because that's when you start getting great hammer films and i i grew up with hammer and i absolutely loved it but then you also get uh some of hitchcock's early stuff and Oh, that's really difficult. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, okay. You got a so, PhD. You can handle this question. <laughs> it's like this is the thing that's like choosing children. You don't want to upset one of your favorites. Remember the the rules here are very liberal. You can spout out a bunch of movies. I'm not gonna stop you. Amazing. Okay. Um. I. Uh. Quater Mass Experiments got to be on there. One of the original nice. is the, the movie that launched Hammer, and it's there's this this great concept it was a tv show before it was a movie but i saw the film first and this great concept of the guys go out into outer space and one of them is the only one who comes back and he's in the hospital and everyone can't figure out exactly what's wrong with him and then he starts he grabs onto a cactus and it sort of becomes his arm and he starts amalgamating everything he touches until he becomes this massive blob nonsense thing that like storms westminster abbey I, again with the B horror movies with me, but I that that one is absolutely amazing. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I love it. And then there's oh oh that's a fun one. The Navy versus the Night Monsters. Now I'm <laughs> betting you haven't seen that. I don't think so. <laughs> it is absolutely bonkers. And so the Navy are on an island, and on this island is acid spitting trees. Of course, they can walk and move. Good. Good. How better to spend an hour and ten minutes of your life than watching this nonsense unfold before you? It's amazing. And the costumes are great and it's hilarious because it's clearly done on set. So you have like the tropics with an oak tree. Oh, of course. Why not? Right. Well, lots of deciduous uh, greens and pine trees and whatever. So uh, which which version of the British Navy? Is it like World War Two Navy? Is it like, you know... Uh, 13 colonies navy like british east india company what what are we talking about here so it's uh, it's the u.s navy but it's world oh, war ii the u.s navy okay yeah so it's very much when we were sort of occupying guam that kind of time period mm-hmm. that kind of vibe and it's it's really really a b movie but it's great fun well it's an environmental uh, environmentalist statement movie was it were all the u.s captains talking like this <laughs> yes, exactly. And you have, and of course, there's like the scientist who uses words that are completely unnecessary, like arboreal death trap and stuff like that. It's great. <laughs> when did people stop talking like that, or when did they ever really like? When did they talk, start talking like newsies? Like, you know, this is gonna be the way. You know, chicky, da 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 da. 
I know, I love that. I think it's something that we definitely lost in the 60s, and I don't know why. I wonder if it's that huge, you know, free love movement trying to be more cool and vibey and mm. Starsky and Hutch into the 70s, and so that didn't sound, that sounded too uptight. But I miss it. You get that in noir, and you, like, you watch Italian 70s horror films, and the detectives are all trying to be like that, but they're Italian, so they absolutely can't, and it's wonderful. Let's take to my favorite era, and we'll just call it like the late 60s to mid 80s. Yeah, so this is this is one of my favorite, and here's where the list is just going to keep coming. So my book is called Deathline. It's after Deathlines, Gary Sherman's Deathlines, one of my favorite movies. But you can't talk London horror without American Werewolf in London. Oh, so good. You, yeah, amazing, amazing film. How do you not love John Landis? Both of them, of course, Americans coming to London and seeing the potential there. So I've got like a personal connection with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's some amazing 70s Jalo movies. I'll watch anything that's sort of Italian Jalo. There's Women in a Lizard Skin, which is mental. And it's got, it's set in London, but it's it's done really weirdly. So Royal Albert Hall is like a therapist's office. And there's lots of surreal things happening. It's a woman's being tricked into thinking that she's seeing murders and you don't know whether her husband's trying to cover up for her being a murderer or if her husband's the murderer or something else entirely is happening. So there's a lot of mystery to it. It's very weird and trippy. Um, and I mean, you've got some really great sort of fun 60s movies as well. Peeping Tom, obviously, is early 60s, but then you get into things like The Sorcerers in 69, which is Boris Karloff, one of his last films. And again, very trippy, very weird. Night after night after night, you got a Jack the Ripper crossover with a judge and sex Soho and anything that you can sort of throw in there. I love. Delicious. I want to know what yours from this era, though, because this is one of my favorites. What's one of yours? I'm almost never going to stray away from The Omen. I, I love The Omen. I just, anything, anything with satan and i love the whole thing about the you know the boy tricking them and you know unburying the mother's grave and it's a you know it's a uh oh my god not a doberman what are, what are those dogs why can't i think oh of... uh, it's a jackal oh it's a jackal okay um i, I thought it was the oh, this is gonna kill me never mind it doesn't matter we'll just stick with the jackal and move on uh senior moment here um but i mean okay do you think that jaws and alien are horror movies Absolutely. Okay, I agree. 100%. I agree too. Alien. Alien is, it's terrifying. It's bleak. There's no escape. I mean, literally, I mean, what a, is there a better call, you know, catch line than those two movies? Like, you know, you'll, you'll never look at the ocean. I, I forgot, I forgot what the ocean was, but in space, in space, no one can hear you scream. That, that one I'll never forget. Somehow I'm forgetting the Jaws one about you'll never look at the ocean the same way or, you know, whatever it was, or be afraid to go in the water or something. But yeah, the Alien is definitely my favorite horror movie that doesn't involve like Satan and the, the devil. Um, there's been sort of a renaissance though of, but well, actually your American werewolf in, in London is, is great. And I think that's the first, at least broadband, uh, dream within a dream sequence, like two dreams. That was oh, great. Man. And, that and the, was so clever. it really was in the practical effects. And I think it was also one of the first considered horror movies. Again, we heard what I said about Abbott and Costello. I consider it a horror movie, but I think it was considered a comedy. But I think American Werewolf in London was the first movie that was intentionally supposed to be a horror comedy. And it really worked beautifully. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, as well, I think for the special effects, it won it won an Oscar for for very good reason. It's one of those horror movies that sort of made it, as it were, that was accepted by the industry as well. So I think it, it helps sort of legitimize that. Because you're right, with Abbott Costello, Meet Frankenstein, or Meet Jack Jekyll and Mr Hyde, they were billed as comedies because you didn't want to be universal horror. That was a lower budget. That was a lower sort of respect. Mm -hmm. and so I love it when movies. People are reminded that actually they do like horror movies and horror movies are great movies. People will be like, oh, Hannibal, you know, Hannibal and Five Lands, they're not horror movies. Yeah, they absolutely are. You yes. just, you like a horror movie and don't want to admit to it. Right. You, you don't know it's a horror movie. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Silence of the Lambs, absolutely a classic, but I, I don't know. It's just something about Alien. It just ties all my worlds in together. No, I love Alien. I, I had a really, really like, massive fell in love with Alien so then I, I when I was at university and Alien 2 I also really love and I think Alien 3 is even underrated I really enjoyed all three of them I think they're such great films and like you said you're trapped there's nothing more terrifying than being trapped with something that you can't possibly like you, as a human you don't think you have the defenses for right. it's so empowering as well it's great if you want to feel really good about yourself you know pretend you're Ripley for 15 minutes it's yeah. the best thing in the world I mean it's when when the environment is a character in the movie it, it's great I mean then and Jaws is the same way. The ocean that's, you know, you're, you're swimming. Most people can't, you know, struggle to, you know, tread water for more than a minute or so. It's very difficult. But even in the ocean, like uh, someone in a boat can come and rescue you. Maybe you'll find land. Maybe they'll eat someone first. Whatever, you know, whatever it is, it, it, it's, it's not the same as space. But like, you know, there's like the Revenant more recently, like the, the mountains and the snow is all part of it. The terror that, that the, 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 the book, which became a, a mini series or a limited series, like just the the Arctic Circle and you know the, the environment being so relentless as a character. I love anything that that successfully achieves where your actual environment is a character. Like in the book, The Shining, more so than the movie, but in the book, The Shining, like the hotel is a character, but also so is like the mountains, like the whole mountains and the weather. It's all it's all tied together. Uh, and it and and somehow the hotel sort of feeds with it and and changes with the season and with the weather and I I just thought that that was really ingenious. Yeah, I love that in the book, and you're right; they didn't play with it enough in the film, I think, because yeah. you can do so much more with that changing of the seasons in particular. Yeah. But yeah, it's so great, and it's even more recently you get quite a lot of movies lately that are really interested in like the forest and the atmosphere of that. Mm -hmm. The witch is springing immediately to mind, oh, but there were the others. Witch love the witch really great film and that's that's yes it's this sort of tense family but it contrasts with that amazing atmosphere being on the edge of society the forest that's nearby is so great it was eerie the entire time mm -hmm. and like do you agree with me that it probably was whatever the father did to get himself like kicked out of the puritan place for being too puritan like and he made a point he said that, you know, we haven't lost any of our five children. We, we've been lucky. I don't think they were lucky. I think that he made a deal with the devil and the devil was coming back and that's why they were, they were plucked. I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything that, that the, that the young Anya Joy Taylor, who is a true movie star, and you could even tell then that she was going to be a movie star. Um, but yeah, but th this isn't about me where well, this is about you. Um, but I do, after reading The Shining, uh, I actually understand why Stephen King hated the movie, which always seemed absurd to me because the movie's terrific. It's just, it's not his story. And so I get it. Anyway, yeah. so more about you. So 
All right. So I guess probably maybe the the best thing to do, and we can we can come back to modern, you know, the more modern era movies because I think there definitely is a resurgence of the horror genre, mostly because you can spend a couple million dollars or fifteen million dollars and make sixty million dollars, which is a much lower risk than spending four hundred million dollars on Shazam and and losing half a billion dollars or whatever it is, um, you know, where you just write off ninety million movies, million dollar movies like Catwoman or or Batman woman, whatever they were doing. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I guess maybe take us through what ultimately became your walk through London crime. I assume it's it's chronological. Actually, so it's done by area. So there, there are walks that you can actually do. And so there's um, Chelsea is one area, and that very much does have a time to it. That's about swinging 60s. The eight horror films were set in Chelsea between 69 and 76. And that's it. And then they never came back to the area again. Uh, but then I've also got walks in places like Westminster. And that's a lot more about power, as you can imagine. That's a lot about politics. You have great movies like 28 Days Later. But then you go all the way back to the 60s. And you've got Gorgo, where Godzilla is facing off with the army. And the army shoots at the misses and takes out Big Ben. <laughs> and so it's a like political commentary on his back. Right. Um, and then, you know, all through the generations of something great for Westminster. And then I do I do one that's all along the Thames. And that's more about just how the Thames is a character in some of these films. Even going back to the 30s, you have this great film called Dark Eyes of London. It's Bela Lugosi right after he did Dracula. And he plays this really crooked insurance guy who he gives his patients to take out insurance, leaving him as the beneficiary. And then he kills them throws them in the, the river so that they look like they've drowned. Mm -hmm. One of them actually does have a, a family member. He thinks they're all sort of family list, but one has an estranged daughter. She comes back and she forces the police to pay attention. And my favorite thing about this is he's using the Thames this whole time to cover up his crimes. They look into the water in the lungs and it's too clean to have come from the Thames. And so that's what gives him away in the end. And it's, it's an amazing sort of example of the Thames and horror. Uh, but yeah, so there's lots of little pockets of areas and they all have, they all have kind of a theme that ties them together. And it's anything from the center of London all the way to sort of Holland Park, which is a cute little suburban area that you wouldn't expect had me a pharaoh being haunted by a terrible child ghost. It's great. And it's, it takes in quite a lot of the history of London as well, because a lot of horror films are responding to stuff that's happening at the time. And so you get to kind of get a, a potted history of London through those films as time capsules. Have you solved Jack the Ripper? <laughs> no, I'm thrilled to say I haven't. But I'm equally thrilled to say I like that you can't because then you can keep having these interesting horror movie takes each new generation. You know, in the 80s, you have Edge of Sanity, which was absolutely out of its mind, coked out, you know, Jack the Ripper. And then 2001, you have that revisiting of the 1970s theory that it was the doctor and mm -hmm. you get very sort of creepy and cool and political power and masons. And each new generation has a new one. You, the, the Ladger, one of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's very first films he directed was based on Jack the Ripper things. And his whole thing was that the mob went after a man who was innocent. Right. Time so after time. complete reverse. <laughs> Remember the time, time after time with uh, Christopher Reeve? Yeah. Oh, amazing one. And then you, you also get the mad sort of silly ones where you're just the Ripper's more like a ghost than anything. The, uh, the Bridge Across Time with um, David Hasselhoff. Uh, anything with the Hoff, yeah. Um, wasn't there some conspiracy theory that, that Jack the Ripper came to America and, and like became like like an assassin of somebody 
famous. I, I, I can't remember what it was. Hopefully you know what I'm talking about and you can fill in the blanks. Otherwise, I'm just going to sound like a raving lunatic. The only one that I, I know of um, was that he, he supposedly went to Chicago and killed tons and tons of people. I don't know whether he was he was another serial killer. It was like the butcher of some particular district. But I don't know if it was someone famous. But yeah, yeah. That, that was a popular theory. There's also theories that he went to Poland and there was a series of murders there. Nice. I think... I think I like that we we don't know them because then all of these things and things we haven't thought of yet are possible. Whereas once we know, it kind of becomes, oh, well, that's the story and it's done. I think he was like tied to, again, tied to through just ranked speculation and theories. But like one of the assassinated, you remember how like every 20 years a president got assassinated or at least there was an attempt, you know, Reagan survived his and then, you know, then it fell apart with Bush and now it's, you know, being... Uh, relive with you know you know the Biden watch because he's you know so old. Um, but like who was, was it like Harding or, or you know and like okay. like either yeah. either nineteen hundred or eighteen eighty. I mean you'll you'll have to help me with the years of Jack the Ripper when he actually was a scourge of London. So it would obviously be whichever twenty year president was there, but that like he came here and assassinated that president. Oh, that, I didn't know that theory. But yeah, it's so eighty eight eighty nine. Is when Jack the Ripper was in London, so it was, it's, it's August '88, and then there's some potential that he was there as long as into the early '89. So right. yeah, it'd so be, it'd be 1900. It'd be whoever the president was in 1900. Let's just say it was Warren Harding. I have no idea if it really was or wasn't. I mean, it seems to me that was more like Teddy Roosevelt's time, and he definitely didn't die in office. He's he lived. Yeah. I think then he was actually like fighting, doing the charge of San Juan or whatever. You know, the Rough Riders did. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I'm really not now. I'm pulling out of my, my league right now. Um, all right. So what is the scariest like horror in London, real or fictional? I don't care. Or one of each. Uh, I think it depends on what scares you, which I know is a very cop-out answer, but there, there's, there's a couple that might come to mind. So one Satan, is... demons, and witches scare me. Okay. Uh, so obviously you, you have things like The Omen. You have um, Devil Rides Out, which is really creepy. I don't know if you know Alistair Crowley, the sort of, he was in the 18, yeah, Alistair yeah. Crowley in the 1800s, who's this sort of weird occultist. He was said to have raised Satan from hell. He is the basis for the villain in The Devil Rides Out by Dennis Wheatley. Uh, it was a book by Dennis Wheatley, and then they adapted it in the film. It's got Christopher Lee in it. And there, there's some really intense scenes where he calls on these various satanic powers and like a demon eventually comes up as well, but a tarantula attacks them in the night. They have to have these protective circles. Their child is used as bait. It has quite a lot of very creepy things going on. If you're wanting something more contemporary so that you're not sort of sitting back and going, oh, that's not bad for the 60s. I, I really liked The Devil a Daughter. Uh, that that one you probably find creepy. It's um, again Christopher Lee, but but this time in the seventies. So and it, there's a young nun who's comes London. Her father knows that Christopher Lee's father, Michael, who's a Satanist, is after his daughter, so hides him with an occultist. Mm. Hides her rather with an occultist, and he's doing everything in his satanic power to get her because she's going to birth the Antichrist. And there is a lot of very creepy stuff that happens, including several satanic rituals. And there's some, there's some definite gore there if you can handle it a little bit towards the end. But a lot of it is that supernatural, satanic. It's intense. It has a lot of surreal and a lot of um, things that feel very out of body, some shock scares. It's a good one. 
All right. I'm going to ask you about Rosemary Babies, but then remind me because I want to go back to Alistair Crowley. Um, Rosemary ba Rosemary's Baby is a phenomenal movie. Everybody should see it. It's it's psychological thriller as much as it is horror, maybe even more so. It's just horror theme, but, a, but it's a psychological thriller. It's set, it takes place in New York, I believe, but it feels very much like a British movie. Oh, interesting. I've not had people say that. What could, could you tell me more? What are you thinking? I don't know. It just it felt like it was like an old building, the old architecture. Everybody is polite, but they don't exactly mean what they say. And you can tell that it, it's almost like uh, like Children of the Corn grew from Rosemary's Baby. They just decided to use kids and, you know, the country wholesomeness. Uh, it's just everyone is polite and they're tr they it's like the whole community is trying to, you know, protect her and make the you know, make sure that the baby is OK. They're not like that's not their motive. They want to make sure the baby's okay because the, the the baby is the the devil or the antichrist. I, I think the devil proper, um, as opposed to the imp the improper antichrist. Um, <laughs> but like you know, it just it just seems like a very like it's very genteel and evil all at the same time, and that just seems like a very British thing that I I don't know how many Americans at that time could have done it. I think now there are American filmmakers that they could do it. But back then, you know, you know, we were more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, even Hitchcock, he wasn't really doing that. He was doing, he was doing like the, the uh, you know, making the ordinary seem menacing, but he, he wasn't doing like nice people were, they were really wolves in sheep's clothing. This was totally that. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, in, in landscaping European, it's a totally different vibe. He did a really, uh, an intense London horror movie called Repulsion with Catherine Deneuve. It's very, very London and creepy. So I see what you mean. And actually, it's um, so sort shortly after Mia Farrow did Full Circle here in London, up in um, uh, sort of the the Notting Hill Holland Park area. It's mostly Holland Park, and it's got a very similar mood and a lot because she's in this house and everybody seems like they're trying to help her but they all have ulterior motives most of them most of them not sort of satanic or otherworldly but then slowly things start to creep up and then she has this ghost child in her house that she's trying to form a bond with and trying to save but then everyone else is trying to keep her from it and it, it's got a very sort of twisted uh, everybody you can't trust in that way. And so maybe, maybe that there is something very British about both of those films. It's funny though, because of course you see the British, the British will watch the Rosemary's Baby and go, no one talks to their neighbors in London. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you talk to your neighbors? That is suspicious. <laughs> when I first moved here, I did the very Southern thing of, I moved into this little flat in the upstairs flat above me. I brought the muffins and they were so freaked out that I was poisoning them, that they never spoke to me again. <laughs> okay, well, I did not know that either. Now I'm learning something new. I mean, that sounds like American. There's a comedian who recently did a bit that, you know, when, when he was growing up, that when someone rang the doorbell, it's like, everybody, we have company, get excited. We have somebody stopping by. It's going to be good times coming. Now somebody rings the bell. It's like, you know, you hope it's a Jehovah's Witness because because everything else is worse. <laughs> you know? But but it's definitely not friends coming over just to drop by. That doesn't happen anymore. Um <laughs> Okay, so Alistair Crowley, even though this show is called Garden of Doom, the I've had lots of people come on the show and talk about Alistair Crowley, but a lot of it's more from, you know, uh, you know, I've had witches and vampires and and philosophers and people study theosophy and whatever. So Alistair Crowley, you know, is really more, you know, they look at him as hermetic. 
you know, he, he was a philosopher. It was a movement. He was not a, a Satanist. He was not a Luciferian. Uh, he's misunderstood. And yeah, I don't know what the truth of versus the fiction. I, and, and, you know, probably most people a little bit of everything. But I've never gotten the, the, the straight dope on, on the, you know, where this whole satanic thing is. Like, like you know, why he's portrayed as evil. I mean, I'm 54. So the first time I heard Aleister Crowley's name was in the, the Moody Blues song where they start singing Aleister Crowley is dead in the middle of what is it, Knights in White Satin or something yeah. at the end. Or maybe, maybe the song is just called Aleister Crowley. I think it is. Um, it is. Anyway, so what what is the horror version or the, the Satan version of, of Aleister Crowley's biography? So in horror, he's, he's a Satanist from the word go, um, but usually he got there through um, magic. And he's very much, um, in horror films, he uses Satan to get the stuff he wants in the real world. So it's very much Faust, but Faust who, like, can hang out with Satan and is on the same level as him. So they, they're sort of buddies. And that very much is uh, a, a, a based on the fact that he was part of something called the Order of the Golden Dawn here mm-hmm. in London. Yep. And that... Um, he had a falling out with them. And so the Order of the Golden Dawn, I'm sure people have told you, kind of badmouthed him. Uh, and so he he kind of leaned into that and then went off to France and said, oh, I'm going to, you know, conjure up Satan in a sex room above some brothel. And so he, he was kind of playing with that. And whether you believe he ended up doing that as a result or not, either way, it gave him the, very much this London reputation of being black magic guru who could do anything and who was able to call up Satan and chat to him and, and like actually interact with him and do, do really powerful stuff. Uh, there's, there's a great biography of him actually that's out now that I was reading and I, most of what he ended up doing was sleeping with prostitutes. So not very interesting stuff you could do if you had Satan's powers, but yeah. in horror, he absolutely like tried to live forever. He tried to summon Satan and take over the world and in a lot of these movies, either he plays the big, scary black magician, like in uh, The Devil Rides Out, or there's this great, um, more recent movie called Crowley, and he, he's, they raise him again in Oxford, where he had studied as a student, um, and through sort of virtual reality. And they're trying to get to know him, and what he does is he twists it and then is uses the fact that they're alive to revive himself so that he can be Satan on Earth. So he almost ends up embodying Satan, not just being a Satanist. He's at this whole other level for everyone. So he, he really is mythical and almost above human in horror movies. It's very cool. Well, listen, there's street cred, and then there's hell cred. And yeah. I mean, that, that's a whole nother level. I mean, that's a whole nother level of crap. And we're still talking about him in 2023. So, you know, something was done right. Yeah. And wasn't, wasn't he associated with Madame Blavatsky? I think I'm pronouncing yeah. it correctly. And I mean, and a bunch of other people as well. I know that he, he practiced with people in like France and Italy. There were a lot of people who genuinely either respected him or had some connection with him. So he, he had something going on no matter what. I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to get around to someone who will just talk about Al- Aleister Crowley and, like, you know, give us the whole thing. I, I, I definitely have to do it. I mean, I already have the outro song written for me by the Moody Blues. So, you know, that's the important thing. I've got the outro song. All right. So back back to back to your story and your tour. So 
you know, take take us through, you know, your, I mean, skip parts of it. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to go to London and, you know, we do have a, a actually significant UK audience, but I don't know how many of them are in the London area versus, you know, the, the, the rest of the island, islands, et cetera. Um, but we don't give want to give away the whole tour and certainly not the whole book, but like sort of like take us on, I don't know, 10 year points, like what, what we're going to see and the scary stuff. Um, so, like I said, they're each sort of area-specific, so it's, it'll bounce around quite a lot if you do it chronologically. But in, in the 30s, you have quite a lot of movies that are making the most of London as a city. So you have a lot of Thames-based movies, so they're using the Thames in some way, or you have films that are um, drawing on the sort of creepiness of the fog of London. That's still a really big thing. Uh, like I mentioned, Alfred Hitchcock's Lodger, the subtitle of that was Story of the London Fog. You have quite a lot of Jack the Ripper type feeling, people walking in the streets heavily filled with fog. That ended up building very much into the 50s and Jack the Ripper was huge and Jekyll and Hyde. And so you get some great Jekyll and Hyde, Jack the Ripper crossovers, even yeah. going into like the 60s and 70s. And you have great Jack the Ripper films. And then you have lots of weird variations on it moving into the 70s. So things like Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. And you get to see a lot of very creepy kills of that because it's now a woman preying on the women in Whitechapel and so there's a, a safety that they think they have that no other film lets you on and so that gets quite creepy but then at the same time in the 60s and 70s you're starting to get instead of gothic horror you're starting to get people doing things like Peeping Tom where it's psychological horror and if, you, if people aren't familiar with Peeping Tom it very much has a similar feel to Psycho in that you have some a man who seems relatively innocent who's psychologically very damaged and he's at the center of the film and that is a very creepy film i don't want to give away too much if anyone hasn't seen it but the way it's shot from the very start makes sure that you see the victims know they're gonna die so the very opening scene you have uh it's a, it's a camera you can see that it's somebody filming and there's like a the a crosshairs for when you look through your old cameras he follows uh, a young woman of the evening to her flat. She's sort of having the usual conversation, but he's not speaking. And she then, you see her suddenly get really scared and then back into the wall and just scream. And you know, she knows she's going to die. And right. that's the basis for the film. And it's very intense. And at the time it was really upsetting. It got banned. Uh, over here and yeah it's that it was Stanley Kubrick's one of his favorite movies and that's why it got revived actually but it's very creepy uh and then you know you get moving into sort of more of the flower children thing you get Clockwork Orange which mm -hmm. is again another really intense Stanley Kubrick film and that's he built it when it came out not as a horror movie but it, you see quite a lot of horrific things happen, not least the torture that happens to Alex. You see them rape and murder people. You see a lot of brutality. And it played really heavily on um, the time of the King's Road. They were going with this idea of nihilism in the 60s youth culture. And then you see him horribly beaten by the homeless in the Chelsea area. So that draws a lot on what was happening in poverty in the 70s. So a lot of political stuff's happening in the 70s. You also get some Pretty hilarious, but but uh, let's say with gravitas, Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper crossover movies yes, at the time. I remember. Uh, one has um, uh, it's um, oh, why am I blanking on her name? She's one of the dames. She's super famous. She played Queen Elizabeth in Shakespeare in Love, and I, my mind is just Judy Dench. 
Thank you. Team yeah. Judy Dench when she's younger is in one of those. Murder by the Wasn't Grey. Peter Cushing Sherlock Holmes in one of those movies with, with Jack Yeah, Parker? he did Hound of the Baskervilles. Right. It was a great Holmes. I love Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, um, actually, he, you get a great film that he did in uh, Dracula AD 1972. The film is, is not considered one of Hammer's best, but honestly, it's really good. He um, he ends up doing hand-to-hand combat with a man like 30 years younger than him in a really mad scene. And they raise uh, uh, Dracula in a satanic ritual in a church and very wild film. Nice. Uh, in the 80s, things get more gritty. So you have things like American Werewolf in London that's a great horror comedy, but it goes against trend. Most of the things are more like Hellraiser and Extro. It's very much trying to have a cast that seems like real people filming real people but horrific and surreal things happen so with hellraiser you have opening to the, the world of sort of damnation and, and intense pain extra you have an alien force that's coming in to overpopulate london very very uh bodily films as well very intensely gross scenes into the 90s things calmed down quite a lot there's not very many 90s horror films um set in london but you get things like bram stoker's dracula incredibly high quality incredibly beautifully shot incredibly high budget films that disappears again in the early 2000s and you start getting beautifully shot films but proper horror again so you get things like 28 days later you get that sort of reboom in comedy horror with edgar wright's trilogies and so you see a real shift from the, the 70s being very political, the 80s being deeply gritty and very political and anti-Thatcher. And then the 90s is all, everything's beautiful and sunny and we're kind of not doing anything. And then the 2001 goes, let's get back to what horror is about, which is let's see how scary we can make it. And universally scary, not just for somebody who knows sort of British politics. Let's make it really fun and wild and weird. But then at the same time, people like Edgar Wright really embracing the Britishness to bring comedy to the forefront. Uh, and I think that's a fair popping overview of the chronology. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. So uh, I, I never did get to the what's sort of like your favorite like current horror properties. And by current, I mean, you know, last decade ish. I mean, I, we've already talked about The Witch, which I absolutely love. I thought was fantastic. Uh, going with the comedy side, I really liked Cooties. Uh, I know very few people know the Elijah Wood uh, teachers in the school and the kids end up as zombies. I think it's very clever having children as zombies, and especially in a school, because you have... I, I was a teacher as well, and you do you kind of are afraid of your students sometimes. They can be very intense and really... Uh, uh, not the kids are lovely, but you know you you don't want to put a foot wrong because you're you're in charge of the kids' lives. It's and you okay. Don't want to do, say the wrong thing. Children are objectively terrifying. <laughs> it's true. It's just why we have so many creepy children movies. Yeah. Uh, so the fat one's just it's bonkers and fun, and it's not you know it doesn't do say anything profound, but it's got some incredible kills and some real creep. I also really like Hockneys versus Zombies. Okay. It's it, it's. Comedy, absolutely. It's Crave Brothers meets Zombies. It's ridiculous, but it has some amazing one-liners. It has very little premise other than zombies, but you get some insane shots. Like, you have a guy who is waving a gun around with the jaw of a zombie still stuck in his arm. So the visuals are just something else. Uh, Yeah, that is something. What are your thoughts? I don't know why this movie is so polarizing because, frankly, I thought it was terrific. And if I think a movie is terrific, like I'm sort of persnickety. So 
like I would think that most people would like at least think it's okay and, and it wouldn't be polarizing, but like hereditary for whatever reason, people, it's like, it's like polarized the horror community. I, I don't understand why, to be honest, but what, what are your thoughts on hereditary? I agree with you. I don't get why it, people have such a strong negative reaction when they do. I loved it. Um, the scene where he's in the school and he starts beating his head against the, the it, it, that was one of the most, I know everyone talks about the garroting scene, but that scene for me was really like shocking and intense and clever. It was really well done. And the acting was amazing. I really loved it. I thought it was it was very scary. It was very creepy. I think the people who I know who don't like it loved it right up until the very last scene when he's going into the the treehouse right. in the backyard. Right with all the, and, the 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 average looking naked people. I mean, if you listen, I don't like seeing average looking people naked either. I'm an average looking person. Now. I don't think anybody wants to see me naked either. Um, you know, but it was it. I mean. Listen, the, the A24 movies, that, that's sort of like a repeating trope that you have to look at bodies naked that you don't want to look at their na naked bodies. I mean, that, that, that's part of that's that's built into the deal. But, you know, you're supposed to be uncomfortable. That's the whole point, because, you know, until Tony Collette starts walking on the wall like, like a spider, yeah, you're sort of thinking, like, is he losing his mind or is there really a demon here? And even with the Tony Collette thing, maybe that could have been part of his, you know, in his mind even though it's pretty clear. But once you go into a treehouse and there's like, you know, two dozen people there, you know, worshiping and naked and it's like the witch. At the end, they let you know this is real. Mm, exactly. And I liked that. I liked it because you don't necessarily need to have, a, everybody likes a sort of a twist or an uncertain or anything. I don't think you need that for it to be really scary because if you think about it, these are normal people who are going this far and able to do these weird things. And I find that even worse. Cause, and that's what I like about the fact that they're not, not models. They're normal people who can get behind this idea of bringing back one of the, I think it's one of Satan's minions that he is in the end. And that's really creepy. And the Payman. same way that you have Rosemary's baby, it's these neighbors who it, are, it's a, it's his grandmother. Payman is like a Persian demon. Uh, I don't know if it's quite Satan, but it, I mean, it doesn't matter. Once, whatever the the Satan equivalent would be, and I, I think it's either Sumerian or Babylonian, one one of the two. But that that's that that's who uh, Payman was, and you know, I think the word Shaitan means demon, and so some people say that's where Satan comes from, from Shaitan, because it's you know right there in the neighborhood, right? Uh, but there are other. There are other takes on it, that, you know, making it old Hebrew and or other you know, words even older than that. But I mean, it can all be the same. The word older than that could have turned into shaitan, which, you know, anyway, we have shows on linguistics, too, and language drift. So you want to check those out if you want to hear my ramblings on that. And experts talk about it, not specifically on Satan, but hey, we'll get there eventually. Um I know this is that London is your your love and your specialty, but. Like, what are some like horror movies based in some other places that are sort of like, like your little secret favorites? Because I mean, when I listen back to the show, and I will, I'm gonna keep a little list. I'm I'm gonna write a list of like movies I haven't seen or things I should watch again because I, you know, probably didn't wasn't old enough to appreciate them or just wasn't watching with the right eye. And and I and I hope the other listeners do as well. Um, because, you know, there's always those, you know, weeks where you, you know, you got the flu or something, you can't go anywhere for 10 days. But you can you can turn on the TV and pretty much everything's on Freevee or Tubi or something. So, uh, you know, 
feel free, like anywhere in the world, any time period, like what are like, you know, some of your, you know, five or 10 deep cuts that are, you know, Barnett certified fresh. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I mean, uh, this, this one's probably not going to be for everyone, but Wellie's Wonderworld is, is freaking scary and creepy. And I love that Nicholas Cage doesn't talk the entire time. Um, <laughs> it's very weird and messed up, but in a fun kind of, it, it reminds me of the eighties and I love, I really love the eighties horror films. Um, I do. I, I love Italian horror. It's really, really weird. I was watching, um, uh, it was called The Fright the other day. It was really good. I can't remember what the American title is, but I'll, I'll, I'll email it to you. But that's what it was called here in Britain. Um, Close Your Eyes, 2002. You can find that one on YouTube for free because no one liked it. But if you're into <laughs> Aleister Crowley, they they draw. It's not exactly him, but one of the it's one of the people like him, and it's it's really creepy. And you get to see Patty Considine, who I love, have a rat put in his stomach, Ooh. which is horrifying and wonderful um i oh into the forest is very creepy as well that's a more recent one i'm pretty sure that's american very very weird and very wonderful and then captain chronos vampire killer is a classic it's yeah. 60s i bet everyone's seen it but how do you not love that film yeah well they could have said the same thing about abraham lincoln vampire killer and that that was not a good movie uh, Captain Kronos, Vampire Killer, definitely better, as were uh, teenage cheerleaders, uh, ninjas uh, fighting <laughs> zombies. That was even better than than the Abraham Lincoln movie. Um, there's got to be something Russian in there or something that at least takes place in Russia, because I mean, just just the whole just Russia is just is a horror movie. It's Sorry, funny. Russia. I, I, I don't know if I just spend way too much time with like Central Europe. I don't know. Central uh, Europe's good. We I can mean, do you're walking alone at night, not Russian at all, but it's at least outside of Europe. So that's a good one. <laughs> okay. Is there anything like from like South America, Africa, or like the Middle East, which is neither Middle nor East, but um, you know, any, anything like like deep cuts that we not would not have heard about that you've okay. encountered? Um, there is, I, oh, what is it called? It's, I think it's called The Bone Snatcher. I think it's on Amazon Prime, which is African. And then, um, Gaia, G-A-I-A, that's South African. And that's really recent. I think that was a year or two ago that I saw it. And both of those are really creepy. Gaia's more, um, nature horror that there's like a fungus that's happening and so it's very much in that vein but they take a very interesting sort of tense take on it it's not traditional monster it, it has the sort of monster feature towards the end but it's not a traditional monster movie and then um the bone snatcher the other one is very um it's very visual it's desert it's it's a sort of abandoned wasteland and it's very much that feel like in space you, you can't get away there's nowhere to run and both of those are really cool coming out of Africa relatively recently. I think I think both of those are in the last 10 years. There was a um, movie, I'm pretty sure it was British, within the last couple of years. And it was also sort of polarizing, I think, because people thought it was woke and it was like woman against men. And, it, and I mean, I could see it, but that's, I mean, that's looking for something to be mad about as opposed to just enjoying the movie. But the movie Men, which definitely was British, 
Um, and I don't know if you talk. Okay, so first of all, I want to talk about the movie Men, and I usually talk about this thing with my friends from the podcast, The Midnight Myth. But they have a new, you know, they have like a newborn, like a one year old, and and they have their own podcast, and they're doing Wheel of Car also, and one of them is getting a book deal, so you know they don't have time. They've got their own agenda, which you know isn't my agenda, which you know I'm outraged about, but I can understand that everyone's on my my time pace. So hopefully you saw men and feel the similarly to me. Oh, that look, your eyes are big, and it sort of seems like you haven't. Oh no, all right. This, I want to though. So, so tell me a little bit about it. This, this, I feel like Don Quixote. It's like I, I, I keep like you know hitting windmills, but it's like the Mister Magoo version where I'm going to be spinning around on it forever. Okay, Men is basically uh, it, it starts with the trauma of what you know you quickly infer and learn to be uh, a married couple where the man commits suicide. He jumped out and you basically see him in slow motion going down the window, you know, the outside window of their, you know, apartment building, the high rise, whatever. Uh, and then later on, you find out not, not much later on that, that he beat her, you know, but it was like, it seems like it was a one-time thing and like you, but he was already spiraling down, but that was enough. She, she, she knew he was spiraling down. And then once he did, that seemed like that was, that was it. You're done, which, which is fine. That's sort of what you should do when that happens. Um, not that I'm preaching, but, you know, we've seen too many where, you know, it, it, you get forgiveness in your heart and, and at some point down the road, your heart doesn't beat any longer. Anyway, um, so he couldn't take it and killed him. So she, you know, she's having trouble with everything and she goes out to the country and the house that's in this movie is in, is in like a million things. I can't name any of them offhand, but I'm telling you, once you see it, you'll see it like, like, in basically every BBC production and everything that's filmed in life. Like it's always this like farmhouse with like giant, like vegetation, like this giant bush. Anyway, while she's there, you know, sort of, you know, having her walkabout, you know, her, her, her shamanistic vision quest, or just as her rest from the world, whatever, what do you call in British? What do they call it? a spell? What would you call it? If you're just yeah, taking a, a break. Okay. A spell. Um, she starts to see like, like this, man naked like you know like you know popping his head out and he like you know he first he sort of looks like like a homeless man but as the the film goes on it you could tell he's part of the earth he's the he's the green man like he's you start seeing things like poking out of him and you're not sure what it is did he get did he get thorns stuck in him no that's a leaf growing out of him and then by the end he's he's fully the green man like you know you know gumby except leaves um and you know at first like it, is he harmful? Is he not? And, you know, at the end, he obviously has malicious intentions. It's not her misinterpretation. And, of course, she overcomes. So everyone's like, okay, it's the primordial man. Men are bad. Women are good. They're the victims. But the woman can overcome. Yeah, okay. But, like, so what? Because that, that, I mean, how many horror movies involve a woman being chased by a man with a knife or a werewolf or a vampire or whatever? Big, big deal. I mean, I, I think it came out at the wrong time when, like, you know, like not quite Bud Light backlash time, but, you know, sort of when like everyone was on board Me Too, but then like, you know, some of the Me Too turned into, you sort of made this shit up um, and like pendulum sw swing. And I think this was right when it was swinging back. Anyway, I think Men gets a bad rap from those folks. I think it's an excellent movie. Um, and I hope I did it justice. And I think that people should check it out. I'm sure it's free now and, and you know, like every cable system. But, uh, of course, once again, I strike out. And a, a professional broadcaster would have asked you that question pre-production to find out. Um, but, uh, hey, 
I am what I am. All right, so struck out with men, but hopefully you'll see it and you'll enjoy it. Hey, maybe you'll be the one. Maybe you'll come back and you'll be the one that actually talks about this movie with me. If if uh, my friends at Midnight Myth, I won't use their 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 real names, even though they use it, uh, use them. Uh, don't get around to it. By the way, shout out, check out Midnight Myth, and if you like Stephen King, listen to Wheel of Ka, and and congrats to uh, uh, Mrs. Midnight Myth on her sorcery book deal. Um, all right. Back to you. Tell tell me something I should know. Oh, okay. Uh, something you should know. That's a tough one. You seem to know quite a lot already. Um, I, well, okay. I think it really well. If you're thinking about um, sort of just general general horror stuff, I remain incredibly uh, devoted to the sort of indie British horror thing, and. A really cool thing that's happening in the next sort of upcoming with British horror. You have um, things like Horoscopes 2, Video Shop Tales of Terror is coming out, um, and and Horoscopes 1 indeed is already out. You've got a lot of really cool anthology movies coming back. And I know not everyone loves an anthology, but the nice thing about the way we're doing anthology films now is that it's not, it's, it, Creepshow obviously was really amazing, but it's not sort of hung together in that same way. It's a lot more drawn on trying sort of several perspectives on the theme. So the idea is that you come in with one idea and it's what can a director do with that one idea and you get sort of 12 different, six different takes on it. And I think it's really cool and it's a lot of fun. Both of those uh, uh, horoscopes, which is out already in Video Shop, Tales of Terror is coming out soon, are I think going to be on Shudder, but they're also, I, I imagine, more readily available because it's indie horror. But that is the thing I'm sort of most excited about watching is the way the anthology film is coming back in a really different way and a lot more gritty and a lot less sort of silly. And that's been a lot of fun for me. And I don't think very many people know about it because it's only been in the last year or two that it's starting to happen. Do you think there's actually been a proper Dracula movie made yet? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of with um, you. I mean, I, th- I think on the one hand, I, the original Dracula was what it was for the era. And it was the best you could possibly do for the era. There's very little you were allowed to sort of show with certificate ratings and stuff. And it got across that, that power of Dracula well. I think the most accurate sort of ones the trouble is that then the, the book itself if, you, if you've read it has very it, it is an old school novel it has longers it has these these long bits that are draining and and kind of uh of its time uh, and so i think the real question is when you're making a dracula movie is do you make it accurate to the book and the bram stoker's dracula or do you make it true to the idea of what dracula is most of the films that have been made so far are about this idea of the vampire and Dracula and mostly what films have done with him. A lot of them call back to like the Universal or the Hammer Draculas. But Bram Stoker's original Dracula has a lot more to do with things like fear of immigration, fear of uh, transatlantic work, fear of the Jew. He's based on the wandering Jew. There's a lot more um, sort of creepy things happening than necessarily just that he I mean he does drink blood and that's important but there's a lot of a lot more happening there in terms of what people are afraid of and a lot of that has to do with this idea of somebody taking over who you are and what you are and we haven't had a movie where Dracula yes he drinks blood but he's also threatening your way of life yeah I think that's the thing that's been missing I agree I and and I know that uh 
Bram Stoker's Dracula, the movie. I don't even remember who made it. Was it Coppola? I don't know. Yeah. And it was very inaccurate to the novel in the end. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's gotten better with age, I suppose. But when I saw it, I I thought it was strikingly bad. And and there's still parts that are strikingly bad. But I'm more forgiving of it now just because there hasn't been much better. A couple of years ago, Netflix put out like a mini series, like three episodes of Dracula, and they modernized it. And I actually thought that they got it really right and sort of until the end. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Is it called Dracula? I believe it is called Dracula. Um, and there's just three of them and, and sort of in the like the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock motif. It's like three episodes and like they're each like 90 minute ish, but none of them, you know, none of them are exactly the same time. They're all like mini movies. Um, it's good. That, see, that's another one that you, you may have to get back to me on. And it's on Netflix, which most everyone has. I'm not sure why I still have it. I'm not sure why anyone really still has Netflix. But they had a little comeback a few months ago with the stuff, but now it's back to anyone who hasn't, who's listening to this and hasn't seen Extraction 2, it's unwatchable. Don't even try. People telling me it's good. No, they're not. They're, 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 they're wrong. They are the same people who explain why there's 11 Fast and Furious movies. And I hate you all. No, I don't hate you. If you're listening to the show, I love you. Um, enjoy what you enjoy. Um, all right, T- tell me what. Uh, tell us about your work. Let's let's hear your stuff. Um, right. So I, in addition to writing about horror movies, um, I, I write fiction. I tend to write psychological horror fiction. So most of my stuff is shorts, and it's it's very much in that vein of Shirley Jackson, that kind of thing. Um, uh, the the big one that sort of most recently aired four oh four was my first science fiction and I won um, I won a prize which is very exciting in the Spectrum cool. Awards. Well, tell us about the prize. Let's hear. Um, so it's the uh, the Spectrum Awards they do um, science uh, new science fiction in Britain and it's uh, mostly in England. Honestly, I think there's only one Scottish person who entered, so it's mo- mostly sort of English horror. Whatever, England's a country. That's 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 impressive. Let let me let me be your straw mother here. Don't just the glaze over that that's that's a big deal thank you i was very proud it's uh so that that one's um called file not found and it's uh, the concept of it is that a, a a consciousness that's being integrated into the hive mind wakes up in the hive mind and is confused as to how it didn't manage to get out of it because it was trying to destroy its own the person who was alive was trying to destroy their brain enough to no longer be useful so the ghost um, is in the machine in the machine Exactly, yeah. Um, and it's very much sort of geared in that horror direction of, of the emotional fear and experience that, that that mind is having. So it's it's more scary than sci-fi, but it's definitely still sci-fi. Um, and then Sounds like Cooper recently, could uh, do that movie. I hope so. I love that idea. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's a very good and, and somehow he's still alive. I know, I know. I'm still doing stuff, which is the main thing. I hope I'm doing stuff well into my 80s. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure um, how I feel about me doing stuff still to my ages. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be good for me just because otherwise you, I, I write down sort of what comes into my head. And if I'm not writing it down, it's going to stay there. <laughs> so. That's true. But you've got a book. So tell us about the book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Death Finds obviously bad. It's the walk through, through London. And then I'm in a few anthologies. So things like Listen, things like Tales of Superstition, Fear, and Doom. And then um, a, a nightmare sort of scenario uh, is going to be out on the Creepy Podcast. They're doing a sort of audio version of that. And then 
written a movie, a movie short, which is called Darner, and that's going to not be out till 2024, but that's in pre-production, which is very exciting. Okay. And your podcast? Oh, of course. And my podcast is the London Horror Movie Club. Thank you so much for mentioning it. Um, as you said, I do it with my brother, and we. the idea is that it's like if you're going to the pub, sitting down with us, having a beer, and talking horror movies, we do. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Movies. Fraud alert. You said a beer. You mean a pint. <laughs> well, that's the thing is he's American, so oh, okay. it's a beer for him, but it's a, it's a pint for me. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, but Fine. yeah, we, we talk London horror movies and then we do uh, occasional interviews with some of the people in indie horror. So we've had a couple of directors on. We've got um, a Scream Queen coming on in August, Annie Thompson. She's nice. fantastic. So it's a great podcast. And it's, it's very low-key, casual. We don't do ads or anything. So just you know, come join us, listen. Cool. How is it working with your brother? I love it. So really? my brother is eight years older than I am. Um, so he was at, we've got a big age difference. But because of that, he's the person who introduced me to horror movies uh, accidentally. And my father was not happy about it. Um, but, but it was great. It's always been a really fun bonding thing for us. And basically what happened is, he, you know, he came over. I was seeing my nieces and nephews because they're getting, getting towards college age. And um, we, we spent the whole time talking about horror and his wife was like, you two should just have a podcast. Cause all you do is you talk about horror for hours. And so we gave it a shot and people have been really lovely and receptive to it. We have a nice little mix of international audience and we even have listeners in Germany now, which is weird and wonderful. Great. Um, so yeah, we're enjoying it. The geography is fun because like you, you see what you expect to see and then like, you'll find like, there's like three people in the United Arab Emirates to listen to you. One person in Romania and there's like, like 17 in South Africa and you're like I, I mean great but how'd that happen and then there's like two in Zimbabwe and, and also great but how'd that happen you know and it's yeah. it, it, that, that is great fun see I have never actually worked with my brother I'm, I'm not even sure how that would go um I'm not going to use his real name just to protect the semi-innocent so I, I will use a, a fake name so uh Louis what's up come on on you were supposed to come on the show a couple times um anyway he doesn't listen to the show no. yeah do it louie it's so much fun working with your siblings it's, yeah. you have a laugh yeah no, no one in my nuclear family supports me in this they, 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 they i don't even think they listen to the show to be honest with you and 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 if they listen i'm challenging the world right them right now because somebody would say we do listen to your show within a couple days of this dropping and they're not going to i i I, I am so clearly going to get away with this non-crime. This is non-defamatory. This is truth. Anyway, again, not about me. Um, where can they find your podcast? What what platforms are you on? Um, so we're on most of the major ones, Spotify, Apple, Google. We also do uh, YouTube. We have a YouTube page. It's at London Horror Movie Club. So you can see us on video. We started doing videos now. And then, of course, we've also got a Facebook page. So if you're having trouble finding us on your usual Audible or whatever as you listen through, try out the Facebook page. It's got the full list, but most major places you can find us. Okay. Excellent. All right. I always have this open-ended question at the end for most every guest. And that is, what is something I should have asked you that I didn't or something that you want to talk about that I didn't give you a chance to do? Oh, wow. Uh, no, I love, I, I love talking horror movies. And that was basically the pretty exciting thing to talk about. Um, I mean, I suppose that the fun thing that, that nobody ever really talks about when you're a writer is that I get to act in horror movies as well, um, which has been a lot of fun. And it's, it's, 
by far the coolest thing has been being able to have special effects done on you. I was recently in a, a, a horror film and they stabbed me four times in space. And oh, so I got yeah. to have the like the lacerations of the special effects. And if you're not someone who's familiar with it, it's amazing the amount of detail that they end up doing. They literally like paint on the skin and then carve into it and the layers of color so that it looks right on the light and the shadows. And it's very surreal because you get to see it in the mirror and you're looking at yourself relatively close up because video cameras now are quite high def and you're like, God, it does look like I'm about to be bleeding here. It's fascinating. I'm loving it. It's great fun being on camera. Well, speaking about practical effects, we're going to talk about something practical here. Because I don't know, you, you live in England, which has uh, socialized healthcare. But if you were in the United States, you know, that, that we don't have that. But if you have enough credits, you could join the, the Screen Actors Guild and at least you could get a group rate. So are you are you British enough that you enjoy the socialized health system or do you have enough credits that you join the Screen Actors Guild or some equivalent uh, on an international level? Uh, so I now have indefinite leave to remain, so I'm part of the, the NHS. When you uh, when you come over on a visa, you pay for access to the NHS, but now I'm officially part of the NHS, so pay my taxes and all that good stuff. Uh, but I, I will have, by the end of the year, I'll have six credits. So I don't know whether that's enough to get in the Screen Actors Guild or not, because I, I haven't looked into it. But if it is, I'm kind of excited to look that up because uh, that's something sort of 13-year-old me would have never been able to believe is that I have, could be in the Screen Actors Guild. Well, there you go. More goals. More more, yes. more paths to follow. Okay. If you were going to be a monster in your own movie, what kind of monster or evildoer or, or villain would you make yourself? I mean, of course, you wouldn't be the villain. You would think you're the hero. But what would you make yourself? I have always loved the idea of the siren. As, as something that is sort of, it, at the one hand, deeply appealing, and on the other hand, incredibly sinister, because you're bound to die. And equally, I'm tone deaf. So the tone deaf siren, I think, is a hilarious idea for a horror movie. Um, so I'd say I'd probably be a siren, because I'd somehow lure you with my terrible cat screechy voice, and then you die in some fantastically horrific way, like maybe I can sing at a pitch that means your skin melts off or something wonderful like that. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, that that sounds interesting. Well, brave you. I had more thought to answer for that than almost anything you asked me. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's Garden of Doom. It's it's all good. Ulysses, beware. Um, and if you meet anyone named Ulysses or Odysseus down there, then I think you're honor bound to try to do this and then live out Absolutely. your dream. Yeah. Definitely. Including the <laughs> melting skin part. I don't know how you get away with it, but that's really sort of your problem, not mine. Uh, I'm just the muse here. Uh, Siren, is Lilith a siren or not? Oh, that's a good question. I kind of like her as a demon goddess rather than a siren. But you're right, there's elements of the siren to Lilith, isn't there? Now, well, yeah. I mean, I think everything sprang from Lilith, or maybe, I, you know, at least as far as we know from written history, that seems to be the case. I mean, there's obviously a whole lot more unwritten, uh, so we'll find out more. Um but yeah, the, the the beginning of the Bram Stoker Dracula movie, like where Dracula was formed by you know his fight with God, that 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 that's not in the movie at all. I mean, in the book at all. I mean, that that was just something he made up. I mean, I guess you want an origin story that's easy enough to do, but Lilith's story literally is that. I mean, she she well, really, uh, she she offended Adam, who said you know God get rid of her, and he's like ah, oh, sort of get rid of her. And uh, and then like there was like a Three Stooges like uh, race ensuing where three angels chased her around. I know that the, I know that the people in the religious community will tell me that angels have no agency, but Lilith talked them out of it, and they said, "Hey, 
I won't bother. I won't eat any kids that, that you know, that revere you three. And they're like, okay, cool. We're tired of flying. I mean, you, so, you know, that doesn't sound like a, a robot automaton to me anyway. Um, but yeah, and then Lilith apparently was either the most beautiful or the most hideous, or I sort of like where she's both. You know, she's yeah. the succubus and the harpy all, all in one. Yeah, I love that. I think as well, there is that, that wonderful line between, I mean, Hellraiser brings it up between pleasure and pain, and I think that's mm. always fun to play with. So ah, it's Clive Barker. that in a body. Clive Barker, Hellraiser One is one of the great movies, and I, and I forgot to mention that that's one of my favorite movies. But the problem is, is, like all of the sequels are bad to really bad, and and so it sort of ruins. But the first Hellraiser, I don't think that anyone anything terrified me more and made me more disturbed than watching that person, the body reanimate from one drop of blood slowly from the inside out. Slowly, I don't know if the effects hold up. Uh, this day, and the truth is, I'm too scared to watch again. It's uh, it's one, again one of my favorites. I'm always recommending if someone hasn't seen it, and it does the 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 hooks, the bit of, bits of Franken hooks doesn't hold up, but that scene where the body kind of becomes it still makes my skin crawl. I have to watch it with the lights on. Yeah, and, and I, I'm I'm you know I'm not I'm a, I'm a full on middle aged man. There's there's no more you know it's not like forty forty five where you can still say you're young. I'm in my I'm middle aged. There's, there's no, there's no hiding. In one year, I can go into fifty five and older communities. By the time the show drops, it'll be you know a couple weeks away from being able to go into fifty five and older communities. So, and I'm I'm still too scared to watch it again by myself. And my fiance, who is brave in every way except for horror movies, will not watch with me because she doesn't like horror movies. Like I have to watch Evil Dead Rises by myself. It's on Max, so it's you know you know free to me in in a not really free, but it feels free kind of way. Um, but, uh, Have you seen it yet, by the way? No, I'm going to. I was planning to see it tonight, except time check to the people from my other part of the world. Tonight is Forbidden Door 2, and I'm going to have to watch 11 hours of that horrendous paper. She's, she's, my guest is nodding like she knows what it is. Trust me, you don't know what it is. You don't want to know what it is. It just means that you're normal, that you don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's no, sorry, I was nodding with the time difference thing. I deal with that a lot. <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, well, I'm talking about the, the, the time that's going to be allotted to that goddamn show. It, it's a wrestling pay-per-view is, is what it is, where it's a uh, an American promotion partnering with a Japanese promotion, which is, you know, it, it's all in the fields of the Supermark fans. And I'm not one of those at least in this regard, and I'm going to have to cover it. So anyway, that, that is my horror to bear for uh, for this evening, uh, not yours. Once again, remind the folks where they can find you and follow you and support you, assuming you want to be fine, followed, and supported. Yeah, so if you want to listen to the podcast, we're at the London Horror Movie Club. That's on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, you can follow me personally on Instagram at Lauren Jane Barnett, and my website is also laurenjanebarnett.com. You can also just pop my name into Google and it'll all come up or IMDb and I'll be very excited that you see that. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I now know like several people with IMDb pages. It's very, it's very interesting. Um, okay. So in my mind, I'm going to play have Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London as the outro. Is that okay? Or is there another song that you think would be more perfect? I love that. That sounds okay. amazing. Perfect. All right. Lauren Jane Barnett, it was a pleasure having you on the show. If you see men and if you see the Dracula uh, miniseries and you want to chat about it on my podcast or yours, or just you want to do it and nobody else will do it, well, your brother will. Um, I, I'm available for that because I, I, I think both those things are really cool. 
Thank you so much for being in the Garden of Doom. Folks, check out our podcast and give it a rating and review, just like I hope that you'll do for me. Give us both five stars, give it a rating, and more important than anything else, refer the shows to your friends that you think would enjoy this kind of thing. So thank you once again, Lauren. Thanks for coming into the Garden of Doom. Thank you so much. Have a great Excellent. And folks, you'll hear from us again next week. Gent who ran a muck in Kent. Lately he's been overheard in Mayfair. You better stay away from him. He'll rip your lungs out, Jim. I'd like to meet his tailor. Trader Vicks.